Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 243, the late September 1988 issue on sale May 17th of 1988. These are the summer issues. This has a cover price of a dollar, and this one's titled Glory Day. Yeah, it's uh, based on Spring Bruce Springsteen's song of the same name. Isn't that Glory Days? Well, this is just one of the Glory Days. This is, the, <laughs> so this uh, is like one verse of the song? Yeah, well, I mean, have you ever heard uh, Bruce Springsteen's uh, Glory Days anthology? It's like 12 albums of all of his Glory Days. Oh, and then the okay. one that they played on the radio, I mean, that was just kind of a summation of all of those into one. I don't even know how that song goes. Uh, I would sing it for you, Adam, but there's 12 <laughs> albums and I, I just don't have that sort of time because I'm not, I'm not singing the radio version. That's for all me. I can. All I can hear is Golden Years by David Bowie, but I'm replacing the words with Glory Days. Uh, okay. I mean, you know, same amount of syllables, <laughs> but they're close enough. They're different songs. Um, yeah, uh, this is a, is a great cover. It's Wolverine. It's the cover every artist I bet wants to do when they get, uh, the X-Men handed to them. They probably say, Hey, can I draw Wolverine turning into a brood? And somebody has got to be like, no, we're not doing any brood stories right now, but here they actually happen to be doing a brood story. So you have just an awesome, uh, uh, Mark Silvestri and Dan Green Wolverine, who's busted out into a brood face like just a big maw of sharp teeth skin's getting all craggly and he's on his knees he's got his hands outstretched it's good cover so presumably this passes the t-shirt test but how do you explain this to like joe schmo hey that's x-men right what's going on there you you don't you just you just don't you just be like just bask in the awesomeness that is my t-shirt oh. <laughs> i would even pay full price if this was like on a poster full price meaning what is full price for a poster i don't know posters in my opinion are like really overpriced i mean yeah they definitely are I'm not even talking about going to a concert and picking up a poster. I'm talking about going to your local poster store uh, and picking up a poster. They're like $20, if not well, more. It, it, it depends. I mean, there's like Mondo, which is a company that ex- does exclusively licensed posters that are awesome, but they're like super expensive. I bet you they're, those are limited run too. They're, yeah, they're always extremely limited runs. And then they retail on eBay usually for like three times as much as you might have paid for them. Yeah, I'm just talking about like a Grateful Dead poster that just has the Grateful Dead's logo on it that you know they made a hundred thousand of. How much do you think that runs? Well, I don't know, <laughs> but whenever it was new, it was probably twenty twenty five dollars. Oh, so you're 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 saying that they're increased because this is no longer in circulation? I, well, everything increases if it's a well known product once it's not in circulation anymore. Hmm. But that's unfortunate. What I'm saying is, if this po- if this thing existed in a poster store at full retail price of about twenty to twenty five dollars, I would probably buy it and I'd probably put it in a nice frame. And my wife would say, "You're not putting that anywhere in my house." <laughs> <laughs> when I used to work at a movie theater, I got movie posters all the time. Yeah, do you remember that video store down the street where we from where we lived? Yeah. I, they had the 50 cent poster bin. 
Oh yeah, man! I used, that was all crap though. Oh, but it was awesome crap. I had like basket case, meatballs four. That's right. You used to line your walls with oh, them. I forgot God. about that. Yeah, it was cheap wallpaper. I mean, they were fifty cents a piece, and it was like anything I'd even remotely heard of or had a neat cover. I just bought. Like, yes, I did not ever have a Terminator 2 poster because <laughs> those were, I'm sure, scooped up by the employees. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was good stuff. I have this this vinyl Kill Bill poster. I'm staring at it right now. It's uh, It was hanging in our lobby, so it's like uh, almost, almost, well, it's taller than I am. I'll just say that. You're a short guy, so. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, uh, it's... Uh, it's a good cover. You like this cover, Adam? Lots of purples yes, and blues. Yes, I, I do. I, I like I like the colors. The only thing that I don't like about it, if I'm going to be nitpicky, mm-hmm. is uh, Colossus's arms on Wolverine. I get I get that it's the brood effect, right? Um, but I don't like it. Okay, fair enough. But that that does not dissuade me at all from if the, if I saw this as a T-shirt, I I would totally buy this. And, uh, you know, before we get into the book, Adam, I have a, I have a little bit of trivia for you. Oh, God. Yeah. If, <laughs> if you open the first page of this, there is an advertisement for some G.I. Joe action figures and vehicles. Okay. Uh, I will give you uh, four of the five items on this advertisement. Wait, so I shouldn't open this up no, then? No, you should not. Oh, okay. So this is I'm going to do a guessing game. Yeah. And then your task I can totally cheat right now. You'd never know. That's true. So this if you want this to be fun, you well, it's <laughs> up to you. Whatever you want to do. But I'll challenge you to pick out the fifth character. You ready? Oh, okay. Uh, a fifth object. It's going to be a character, but there's five items on this uh, on this advertisement. Two of them are vehicles, three of them are action figures. It's an order form. Um, a hint, it's not the uh, build-your-own character. So with that in mind, you have the LCV Recon Sled. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, it's something that was never featured anywhere. You also have the Cobra Hiss. I used to have one of those. Those uh, are awesome. I know they were awesome. I never had one. Uh, the first figure is Bazooka. Okay. I had him, and it's in his, like, uh, his 14, I don't know what, football team Shirt. Is he the one with the bubble gum, or was that Breaker? Uh, Breaker had the bubble gum. Although, yeah, okay. it's a missed opportunity. You think Bazooka would be the one with the bubble gum? The yeah. the uh, third character is Major Blood. Okay. Uh, who, Bazooka, Major Blood. Who is missing out of this advertisement? Well, I mean, the obvious guess is Snake Eyes. Uh, nope. All right. So Bazooka, made, like, is there is there like should I know this by any sort of reasoning i think or is this just kind of a stab in the dark uh it's probably mostly a stab in the dark um it, it it's one of those things that you look at you open up and you're like oh my god i remember that but but okay. yes calling you out in the dark like this it's probably a little unfair and when i say who it is you'll probably be like oh i remember that i i, I think i can almost picture it because i bazooka's got the he's got he's got the like the football shirt right yeah he's got the f- football shirt but i told you that already oh did you yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's how my memory works. <laughs> I forgot that you told me that, but I remembered it. <laughs> Weird. Um, hmm. well, I could just go through naming people. <laughs> is, is it a is it a good guy or a bad guy? It's a good guy. Okay, I, I was about to list a whole bunch of bad guys. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good thing I asked. Um, Duke. It is. <laughs> it is nobody, to my knowledge, that was. Ever on any of the cartoons. Okay. 
<laughs> and what was this character in the comic book? I do not. I'm almost positive he was not in the comic books. So was this like a like like who is this character? Is this is this Refrigerator Perry? Yes, it's the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> well done. And he's got like a a mace with like a football, like a spiked football at the end of it. I had that figure. Yeah, see? It was awesome. And as soon as you if you were to look at this ad, you'd be like, "Oh, I remember this ad." I, I totally uh, ordered from that ad. I, I guarantee that's the ad that I ordered from. And, and I probably have mentioned this before on the podcast, but I was like when I played with my G.I. Joes, it was like a full on campaign. I'd have them spread out and everything like that. And they'd be like in-depth storylines, which I probably picked up from the comic book. But like at the time that I ordered Refrigerator Perry from that comic book ad, mm-hmm. all of the Joes were in prison behind the uh the cobra base that i had built out of styrofoam and the only one who was free was ace who was the pilot of the uh the 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 plane uh Mm -hmm, like the the plane that features heavily in in top gun i remember i don't know what it's called but i remember the plane sky um, striker is what they called it in gi joe right i maybe that's that could be it it sounds sounds right um, and Ace recruited Refrigerator Perry to help save the Joes. And that was the storyline that I went with. And I waited days for him to come in the mail. And when he did, he wreaked havoc on that Cobra base <laughs> with his with his football nunchuck, <laughs> whatever the heck it was. So each of these figures has uh, something on their face in common with each other. What is it? Each of the figures has something on their face in common. Well, they all have helmets. No, uh, Perry, refriger- the fridge has no helmet. Oh, okay. You'd think he would. And Major Blood's helmet is molded onto his head, whereas Bazooka's is removable. Do they, they all have mustaches? Yeah, because they're G.I. <laughs> Joe figures, and that's how you distinguish them. This guy has a black mustache. This guy has a blonde mustache. This guy has a thin mustache. Right, I'm going to look at this ad now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the extent of my trivia. Okay. Well, welcome to the Danger Room <laughs> podcast. <laughs> where we where we also like to talk about oh yeah I totally remember this yeah, ad. of course you do <laughs> all right just got like a gap tooth going on there he had a gap and he's he's uh he's not as rotund in this action figure as he actually was oh uh, okay uh rotund might not be the word but he's a big boy when he's playing football and this guy is just <laughs> like he's bigger but it's all muscle uh, again granted he would have had a lot of muscle but anyhow uh that's that's weird i never i oh no i don't think i ordered from this i have no idea how i got my fridge because this order form requires you to own all of these and i definitely did not own a lcv recon sled or a bazooka it it doesn't require you to own all these you can just order one of them oh you're just ordering one of them okay yeah yeah, okay so i okay i just ordered the fridge off of this doesn't it then they usually require you to have upc points or something yeah, it's a little odd that I didn't order off of this because normally it'd be like, send in seven UPCs and $5 plus $9 shipping. But this is actually pretty reasonable. It's three and a half dollars for the figure and a buck 75 for shipping and handling. Granted, an action figure in those days was probably only $3, but still, it's not bad. The only These did, these did not come with backing board either. They came in little mm. plastic bags. Uh, but was the, uh, the little file thing, was that normal or was it stupid? It was... I want to say it was normal. It wasn't stupid until it was the create your own figure one. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to dig that up to figure that out. Oh, you still have all these things? Uh, quite possibly. I have a box in my basement filled with Joes. Oh. 
And I'm pretty sure I saved all the file cards. Adam, I think it's time for you to do a campaign and put it on YouTube. All right. If I well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but uh, if I can find my uh, fridge file card, I will post it on the web page. <laughs> all right. Totally random for anybody who isn't listening to this episode. They'll be like, "What the hell is this?" I remember that guy, but <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. Uh, uh, the only thing I ever mail ordered for for. Uh, away for was uh, for GI Joe anyways probably anything was uh the hooded cobra commander yes that was awesome it was very awesome but then uh i pulled his head off accidentally <laughs> which is that was sad because you trying to remove the hood yeah but i mean it, the hood was clearly molded on there wasn't even like a gap for you know between the hood and his yeah. face it was just like all one piece but yet i was still trying to pry the thing off <laughs> oh, well. um, yeah when I did a huge action figure liquidation a few years back, like I had a whole bunch of like uh, 99, 98 Star Wars figures, the things that aren't worth any money. I purged all of those, sold them all, uh, as well as a bunch of re uh, miscellaneous action figures. I sold some garage sales. The only one I held back was a re-release of Hooded Cobra Commander, but it's a different mold, but it's still Hooded Cobra Commander, so I kept that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I liked all the Cobra Commanders. I even liked the stupid metallic costume. Yeah, I, I, he was awesome. When when that figure came to the stores, I had to have him. Yeah. So, all righty. Uh, we got X-Men stuff to talk about, though. Well, let's just keep talking about G.I. Joe. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I could go on for, for hours on G.I. Joe. We, we open with a diner. This is the Mile High Diner. And in typical Chris Claremont uh, way, he, he gives a lot of character to this diner. None of, matters, gonna read. But... No, no, yeah, none of it matters, but I think this is like, this is what Chris Claremont really enjoys is, is adding this, this kind of, I don't know, uh, prose to, uh, just random objects. I'm going to, I'm going to write the hell out of this diner. Yeah. I think he does that uh, specifically in three parters, uh, somewhat maybe to fill pages, but, but also I think it's, uh, enough space for him to start flexing his writing muscle. Yeah, this feels this feels like it's just a personal thing that he enjoys doing. Because he did the maybe, same. Th maybe he doesn't always get the ability to do it in every issue. Right, he did the same thing uh, in the Fall of the Mutants. Uh, as we entered every issue, there'd be like a couple of pages of just like big exposition that may or may not have been necessary, but was just kind of a nice touch. The one bit of dialogue, like I said, I'm not going to read this, but the one thing that I like here is. That the Mile High Diner is now the hangout hotspot for Denver's cheekest retro retro trendoids. Cheekest. Sure. Not cheekest. <laughs> cheekest. I've I've never known how to say that. Um There was a there was a band called Chic, and I would always call it Chick. Sure. Uh so Chicest Retro Trendoids. I I have trouble saying that. Say that five times fast. I oh. Like we should start calling hipsters chic retro trendoids. Totally. <laughs> I don't. I, don't I like... just think we need to bring trendoid into the vernacular. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't say we need to bring trendoids back, because <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time believing it was ever missing. I don't think it was. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, there's a lot of people there. They're all hanging out, and uh, uh, a fight breaks out between Dazzler and Brood Mutant. This is uh so last issue we didn't really see what happened to Dazzler, and we also didn't meet this brood. This guy's name is 
Spitball, but I guess before we do that, did they give the credits? Yeah, they do. Yeah, Glory Day. Uh, Chris Claremont's the writer. Mark Silvestri's the penciler. Joseph Rubenstein is the guest inker. Glynis Oliver's the colorist. Tom Morzakowski's lettering. Bob Harris is the editor, and Tom DeFalco is the editor in chief. And uh, did you know that they they fired Jim Shooter? No. Yeah, he, Tom DeFalco was his like second in command, and they were they were gonna. They, he thought that they would get rid of him too because he was closely working with Jim Shooter. He figured if Shooter was out, he would also be out. But then they they offered him Shooter's job. Wow, why did they fire Jim Shooter? I guess because he was a pain in the butt to work with, hmm. and they got tired of people complaining about him. The higher ups that didn't want to have to deal with all these morons. Uh, you you can you can read all about it in that book that that. You have, you have. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> the History of Marvel Comics. Yeah, I should read that it's one in, these days. There's a chapter called Troubleshooter. I've mm-hmm. been rereading it recently, so. Yeah. To get to up to speed with the era that we're in. Good idea. So yeah, her, she and uh, Spitball are fighting, and there's a couple in the background of this dining or diner that are just making out and they're so into each other that they can't even hear or comprehend that a fight is occurring. And she calls him Scunge. She says, the heck it is, Scunge, as she dazzle blasts him. And then she also says, dazzle blast. Is his name Scunge or is that just like, ew, you're Scunge? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a derogatory term that she's using for brood, which oh. I think uh, – I think there needs to be a show called Skurgle and Scunge. <laughs> it's like the new odd couple. Is Scun- <laughs> it's like Starsky and Hutch. Is Scunge the- Skurkle and Scunge. Is Scunge the clean one or is Skurkle the clean one? They're both filthy. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, yeah, so uh, they, they're fighting. He, he's, he exhales fire or something. That's why they call him Spitball. Yeah. Because he spits balls of fire. And yeah, the whole place is coming apart he oh, this arm person comes in uh, this is whip, whip hand, hand. Yeah. and then there's another mutant who or a brood that shows up after that which just appears but you think it's still whip hand but it's not it's blindside whose mutant power is to appear and disappear yeah i got a little confused by this because whip hand is there and then blindside shows up but blindside is like a full-on brood whereas whip hand is a human with whip hand arms so because whip whip hand kind of disappears when blindside shows up yeah i was like oh can they just go back and forth from brood form to human form and they kind of can we see but but that's not the case here uh and a human comes in and he's like hey let's show these people what human beings are made of and he's getting ready to punch blindside whose ability i guess is to teleport back and forth and he teleports behind him and gets ready to eat the human i know what human beings are made of it makes your species among the tastiest of delicacies <laughs> dazzler is still caught up by whip hand the two people in the background are kissing and uh, that's when Blindside is hit with a few of Longshot's daggers. Flechettes. Flechettes, sorry. Uh, gets kicked <laughs> across the face by Longshot, but Longshot... I think you can call them daggers. I mean... <laughs> well, don't correct me then. <laughs> sure. I just, you know, we were called out by... Well, not really called out, but we were... It was pointed out to us by a listener that they were also called flechettes. So I just wanted to keep... As, as long as we see those, I'm going to bring it back. Okay. 
he uh, he kicks the brood, uh, but then Whip Hand grabs a hold of Longshot and starts choking him. But then Longshot starts smiling, and Whip Hand is like, "I'm killing you, you fool! Are you too stupid to notice? Why are you small?" And um, Colossus is behind him, and that's why Longshot is smiling. And Colossus, Colossus breaks his neck. He's as Which, strong uh, as he looks. Snap, it says in big letters. Which, well, if you haven't read the previous issue, whoa. Yeah. The X-Men are dark. Yeah. It was established for those of you just joining us for the first time or who have forgotten. Storm kind of says, like, these people are already dead, so we got to kill them. I mean, she basically gives the okay. And it's not until late, late, late in this issue that we get reminded of that. So Right. And it's not if if like if you're a first time listener, it probably goes right over your head. And as a matter of fact, uh, when I was collecting, like I had missed uh, missed the previous issue. I had seen I had the issue before that, but I didn't have that issue, and I had this issue. So I never got the killing context. And yet here are the X Men. Just in fact, Storm comes in two panels later and vaporizes Whip Hand with a lightning bolt. Yeah. So like in your eyes. The X-Men are stone cold killers. Yeah. And I was like, these aren't the X-Men I remember from before. Uh, I mean, Colossus did kill that Marauder or. That's true. Did he? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Spitball decides to uh, run away and he says, uh, Spitball takes the hint and chooses discretion over valor. That reminded me that I once wrote a movie and the, I think the, the, the line of dialogue was, uh, what was it? Let's see. Hey, Stuart, why don't you lo- use a little discretion? Hey, and um, and the actor j- kept saying, pronouncing it discretion. <laughs> and we did. Yeah, it was. I kept saying we did it like five takes, and he just couldn't get it out of his head. Hey, Stuart, why don't you use a little discretion? I was like, no, <laughs> discretion. That that sounds a little gross. <laughs> I'd have left it. Discretion all over the place. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, yeah, Rogue, Colossus reminds us that Rogue is still under their control uh, and that they're getting away. But uh, Storm says, nope, not for me. Not for long. Gather the others and tend to the wounded. And the kissing couple are like, huh? They look at all the damage and all the people and they're like, whatever. And they start kissing each other again. It's eh, it's waste. Kiss. It's a bunch of wasted panels. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's it's like, a, you know, ha <laughs> ha. Those trendoids, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, they are some pretty cheek retro trendoids. Chic. See, I'm, I'm never going to pronounce it. Speaking of discretion, <laughs> I'm never going to not pronounce it cheek. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, well, it's always going to be Lila Ch- Cheney, So Exactly. We all have our things. Uh, yes. Meanwhile, uh, back in the outback underneath the dilapidated town is the most incredible technology. Well, that's at least what the dialogue box is telling us. We're kind of getting a real quick recap of the dream sequence that Madeline had uh, last issue via the computer screens. And then we go in. Well, first of all, uh, what's his face? Uh, Gateway shows up and is kind of standing over her body, but he's not going to get involved. I guess he's just there to make sure she's not going to die. I guess he makes no move to help her, for that is not his purpose in the scheme of things, but simply watches as if he's disappointed by her choice to wander out in the deep desert instead of back to town. So I guess he, I guess the uh, narrator is telling us that Gateway just kind of knows and would be happier if, 
she wasn't making or about to make the decisions she's about to make, I guess. Yeah, I I guess. So she wanders out, and I think symbolically there's a fork in the road, uh, and she heads left. Um, and Wandering into the desert. I guess this right. is her fate, her mm. destiny. Because if she'd have gone right, I guess you do see it. I guess this is the first time. There's a, I've read this issue like four or five times, and there's a few things that like all of a sudden clicked. Uh, oh. and, and the one thing off to the right in this fork in the road, way off in the distance, I think, is the town, uh, which would make sense because that's uh, in the next panel. That's you can see Gateway standing on the cliff, his cliff. Oh, yeah, I never noticed the town before. So if she, yeah, it could, it should be a little bit bigger, a little bit more in your face, but it's it. It really just kind of looks like a cloud. But uh, anyways, yeah, I think the the point here is that if she heads right, Gateway can help coax her into town maybe. Uh, But anyways, she she doesn't. And as she's walking, she's still a featureless female figure. The sun melts away the featurelessness of her to reveal Madeline Pryor. Wait, that's Jean Grey. Or Jean Grey. It kind of looks like Jean Grey. And maybe mm. this plays into it uh, because she kind of has, you can't really see it, but she kind of has the Jean Grey wavy red hair with like that little swoop in front of her head. But it's, then It's more green Jean Grey than she's ever looked like. Yes. Which I think is on purpose. I, I agree. So she trips over like a dead animal's skull, falls down a hill. She's, she's completely naked. She, she falls into the water and is cooled down and walks out. And now her hair is very straight and lots of angles and jagged uh her whole female figure is in shadow lots of hash marks very evil looking smoke coming out from behind her uh it's a great panel first off and then uh the the final panel here is uh, a purple handed man is putting a black cloak around her shoulders or a blanket is it the purple man i think it's purple man <laughs> She says, hey, no me. And he says, hey, we're inside your head, remember? We're all friends here. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> uh, for those of you who can recall way back, I think that's pretty close to the voice we used for Sim. Really? I don't know. Wasn't wow. what didn't we give him like an Australian accent? I I don't I don't see why not. I certainly <laughs> don't remember though. I don't either. But yeah, live and learn. That's Sim's motto. And it's Sim. Uh, he's got his little little vest on and his little shorts, uh, and she's like, w- w- "Are you? Do you live here? Like, what's going on?" All of a sudden, they're no longer in the desert. They're in like some lavish, um, I don't know, cathedral type thing with candles and food and drink, etc. And he's like, "Nope, this is your dream. I don't like this type of place. Just visiting is all, but you never know. A body should be open to always be available to new experiences, right? <laughs> right, mate." And he, something I never really understood, I feel like it's maybe symbolic, but he picks up a little lizard uh, and turns it into gold or brass or copper or something. He turns it into a statue uh, and then holds it up to Madeline, who puts her lips next to it and it either licks her or she's kissing it. I can't tell what's happening. Okay, so... Neither of those things. Okay. In the first panel where you see this creature, it's alive and it's drinking from a bowl of presumably some sort of mixed drink, let's say. Punch. Let's call it, let's call it wine. Okay, sure. Sim turns it into a goblet of sorts uh, and then pours the wine that it just drank into her mouth. Uh, 
How did you gather all that? Uh, it's just by re- trying to figure out what the heck was going on. <laughs> I mean, now that you say all that, sure, his tail is kind of coiled up into a wine glass base. Uh, it looks like the belly is filled with wine. And uh, yeah, she's he's pouring it out of his the little lizard's mouth into Madeline's mouth. Yeah. Yes, I had to review these panels a few times. This issue's deep, man. <laughs> uh, this is the part that I... I, um, this is the part that I finally just ca- caught the fifth read around. Sim holds up his hand and sa- or she says, what am I? And he holds up his hand and in his fingernails are all these different uh, faces. Uh, and I, of course, noticed that right away. Well, there's a little girl, there's a pilot, there's, I guess, maybe wife Madeline. And then on the far, on the pinky is like evil Madeline. Right. And he says, uh, some of all the parts, maybe standard equation, genes plus environment equals this is your life. And I always thought like, Oh, well, these are all the elements of her life. I never really looked beyond that, but they blah, blah, blah. They keep talking and talking. Uh, and he's bringing up like Scott and how he dumped her. And she's like, I love him. And he's like, it doesn't, doesn't that make you worse? He hurt you, Madeline. Hurt him back. And this is the part that I finally caught is she points to his pinky, which has evil Madeline, and says, what the heck? It's only a dream. And that's he says, wrong. And he thrusts the thrusts her back uh, and reveals... Um, I don't know. I can't, I, how do I, how do I say this? She's, she's got a new outfit. She's got like a loincloth. She's got big black boots and she's got like this, I don't know. It's not a half shirt. It's like a third shirt with the bottom <laughs> of her boobs hanging out. It's very similar to, um, the black queen, but a little more, um, revealing. And, uh, and I think the, the black cape she was wearing has now turned into her kind of evil cape but what i'm trying to say is that uh i guess i never put together that when she picks the evil madeline that is the thing that sealed her fate maybe yes she's being tricked by m who's basically saying hey you can choose any of these four paths it doesn't really matter though because it's all a dream you should get revenge on cyclops and she's like oh you're right i should he 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 dream and then he's like cyclops it's not a dream. Right. There are no dreams, only different shapes, different orders, different tastes of reality, and you've just bound yourself to mine. I wonder the if- problem with this is that this plot does not pick up for several issues, and by the time it does, you've forgotten about it. Yes and no. Um, so, again, this is this is uh, in the time when, when this these issues were coming out was at a time when I would pick, uh, like a Saturday afternoon, I would just get all my comic books out and I would just read them. And so I've read this lead up many times. And when you read them serially, kind of like what we do, all of these pieces come together. But yes, if you were to read it month after month, or I guess every two weeks after every two weeks and never look at them again, you might get to where this leads to and be like, or, or you may not even like think about these seeds that are being planted here. So I don't know. Even even when I first read this, I binge read it and I don't think I made these connections just because there was enough distance between, and it's really only a handful of issues, but there's, there's enough distance between this issue 234 and the result of this, which is probably like 238 or something that I never, by the time I got to that later issue, I had forgotten about this. But you're right. If you're if you're like rereading these issues over and over again and reading them as they come out, then yeah, you, it probably does connect better. I, and I'm sure that's how Chris Claremont 
scripted or plotted or wrote these out. Uh, probably never with the thought that somebody, some day down the road, is just going to reread these and binge read them. And these little seeds are going to, like, that's when the things are going to pop. Like, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't thinking this was Twin Peaks, where there's, like, a new thing every time you rewatch it that you didn't notice before. Uh, right. But uh, happenstance-wise, it kind of works out that way. Because you're right, there's a whole different story arc that's going to occur between this and the results, which, you know, is equally impactful to the mutant universe. So it's a lot of stuff to pack in. But but he also drops what's happening to Madeline into that storyline as well. So I don't know if you're playing really close attention, you are picking it up. Um, I don't know. I like it. I like how yeah, there's cool. a huge it really seems like that's one of my big complaints about a lot of TV shows. Uh, and a lot of other comic book story arcs is they just kind of, sometimes it seems like they just like, wouldn't it be cool if, and they just start throwing these things out. And when they need to like put a, like a piece in that they didn't plant the seeds for, they just kind of do a quick flashback and then they plant mm-hmm. the seed. Like that was, I don't know if you remember Battlestar Galactica much, but um, I the, the The new one or the old one? The new one. I never watched it. Oh, well, it's mostly good. Uh, it's mo- that's it's what most, I've heard. It's mostly it's on, great. It's on my list of things that I must do before I uh, die. Well, <laughs> I don't want to break this for you, but for the most part, it's an excellent series. But every now and then they want to do a story element to something that they've not introduced. So they do like a quick flashback to show you the thing and then immediately like capitalize on what they just showed you rather than like pacing it out and saying like, you know, two episodes ahead of time, let's do this. Let's have a conversation about this thing that happened like way back when. And then a couple of episodes later, like, Oh my God, you remember that thing that we talked about? Well, it's yeah. happening. Uh, yeah. And what I think the theory of that type of television is that you're only like going to remember what we're telling you now. And, and, and even if you're not, usually if you're watching it on TV and it is something from a couple episodes ago, the previously on Battlestar Galactica would be about that exact thing. And so, you know, like, oh, this episode's going to be about that. Yeah. And, and while not all shows do the previously on like Battlestar Galactica always started off with a big, long previously on where they hit all those. So they could have done it. It's just to me, it's like lazy writing. Like, I want to do this cool thing, but we didn't set it up. So I'm just going to set it up and tear it down like right now. And this is the exact opposite of that, where he's like just taking his time and just like putting things in like way before it actually happens, uh, which is cool. So anyways, we move on to Red Rocks back in Colorado, where our our good friend, the uh, evangelist. uh, His name I don't remember. I don't remember either, but he's. I don't even know if his name is in this. He's a great reverend. I'm sure it is somewhere. Let's see. She, he's called my sweet. His wife is Mrs. Conover, so we can definitely call okay, him Mr. Okay. Conover. So he's, he's Mr. Conover. That's good enough. Uh, but anyways, he's getting ready to, he's got like Red Rocks is a big auditorium and, and it's packed. He's getting ready to go do a sermon or whatever. And, and uh, he, we get some back, well, we get recapped. Like his wife's got arthritis. He wishes that he could pray to the Lord to help her. But it, she's like, oh, as long as we have love for each other, like that's all that matters. Go out there. And um, and somebody's like, hey, there's people in Colorado, big mutie fight. And the reverend's like, I don't like that term. I won't tolerate it. I won't tolerate any other racist remarks. Tell everybody. I ain't going to stand for it. And, and this, his- is, this, is a, this is a good reevaluation of what we knew from last issue. So if this is your first issue, you get everything you need to know. 
And uh, yeah, so the woman who has uh, her hands are kind of, uh, I guess she can't really move them all, so, uh, all that much because of her arthritis. So then the, um, I can't remember her name, but uh, the, the main brood guy's ambulance partner. Which if you haven't read last issue, you're screwed about this one. <laughs> yeah, you're getting, uh, you're getting everything you need to know except for her her name or what is even going on with her. Uh, but she's spoilers, just, she, she's, a she's just, a, she's just a woman who shows up who says, I can help you with your arthritic hands. Right. But we know from the last two issues that she's a brood. Yes. But you don't know that if this is your first issue. Anyways, right. rogue is flying. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, temptress. I think her name is. Yes. Temptress and Wolverine, uh, towards the, uh, the, the 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 place that we just left Red Rocks the uh, amphitheater where Reverend Conover is because we don't know his name <laughs> and uh, Wolverine Wolverine starts to wake up and he pops his claws and he start, he's also starting to transform because as as is pointed out he is um, he was impregnated with a brood again yeah appearances girl can be deceiving where I'm concerned your precious metamorphosis is only skin deep. And he she slashes a temptress and Rogue drops temptress through the air and uh, Rogue still has Wolverine. So he tosses her, uh, tosses Wolverine towards the ground and uh, meteors have hurled to Earth with less force. And Wolverine hits the ground and they talk about his healing factor and how it's great, but it has a limit and he's still only human, only mortal. He uh, Rogue points out that that Wolverine killed Temptress. So this is our third death by X-Men, I think. Maybe, oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe fourth death by X-Men. Uh, so it's happening. I mean, every, X, every X-Man's going to get a, a death, I think, except for Longshot and Dazzler, maybe. Uh, so, yeah, he and I kind of like this this twist uh, on... So in, in previous Brood storylines, Wolverine has kind of gone off on his own and, and dealt with his healing factor and gone almost to the brink of turning into a Brood, only to fight it back and then basically, like, rescue all the other X-Men. But in this case, the hurling to the ground uh, took such a toll on his healing factor that he's far more susceptible to the Brood impregnation, which is kind of a neat idea. Indeed. And we, we cut over to a, uh, a police car filled with Brood and Psylocke, who are also driving towards Red Rocks. And Psylocke freaks out. I guess she does kind of a, a psychic scream or a literal scream because she realized that Temptress is dead and that Rogue tried to kill Wolverine. And we get this great panel of a Brood and Psylocke and uh, Whiplash in the back of the car and uh, this blonde-haired brood driving the car and this just regular guy sitting in the front car. I mean, it's spitball, but I love this panel because it's so out of like out of context. It's just bizarre. <laughs> it does kind of look like, hey, gang, let's get in the van and go solve some mysteries. <laughs> let's get into the, the broody van. Come on, broody do. <laughs> uh, here's the worst part of the comic book, though. Uh, is it spitball? Fire or fire spitball. Spitball. He says, Yo, Harry, you wearing your seatbelt, man? And he's like, What? Why? And then they run into Colossus instead of Spitfire being like, Dude, turn. Stop the car. Hit the brakes. Like, I don't know. Nah, you know, Spitball's a really casual dude. He's just like, Yo, Harry. He's like the shaggy of the group. You he think just, he's talking super slow, too? Yeah. Yo, Harry, I just did a lot of Scooby snacks. 
You wearing your seat belt, man? And Harry's like, what? Why? He can't, be, he can't be sure if Colossus is a real or if it's just like some imaginary drug-induced vision that he's having right now. Fair enough. <laughs> but they slam right into Colossus, who doesn't move. Colossus yanks the engine out of the car. Uh, nobody's hurt. They all jump out of the car, though. And they say, whatever it takes, I want this X-Man dead. Bail out, gang, and hit that armored lump with everything you've got. Whatever it takes, I want the X-Men dead. So Spitball spits at Colossus and does Storm kill him? Uh, whoa. Yeah, I I think so. so. You'll discover, Broodling, to your regret, that we die harder than most. Scrakow! Well, no, a bunch of people run away, so I think think he's still alive. Okay. Oh, and I Uh I think you're right. It looks like there might be some smoke coming from the back of him. Yeah, yeah, he's still alive. Psylocke, use your mental power. Slap Storm down, says Harry. I think it's Harry. Yeah, it's Harry. And Psylocke breaks out of her brood control. What? Where? Who am I? Must obey. No! So Storm's realized what's happening, and she's about to take Harry Palmer and everybody. Is his name Harry Palmer? Did we already make yes. these jokes? Okay. Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's about to use her lightning bolts, and Rogue flies out and says, You ain't bushwhacking anybody, sugar. Rogue got plans got for you. got plans for you. Gonna get- You're going to host the Queen's Egg. And it's my duty, my pleasure, sweetheart, to see those plans fulfilled. So Rogue is still full-on villain. Yeah, and uh, that's when Dazzler and Longshot pull up on a sweet motorcycle. You got Straight it. out of an 80s movie. Is this the motorcycle that they kept from the stolen goods? And did they, how, like, did Gateway teleport this motorcycle? Or did they steal this motorcycle? I'm going to say they stole this motorcycle because we know that Gateway is busy. Yeah, it's true. Unless she brought it with her because she was... She was, maybe she always just brings her motorcycle with her now. It's like, I love my motorcycle so much. Can I bring it on this adventure, X-Men? Gateway, can you teleport this too? I'm going to be sort of separate from you guys anyway and making out with Longshot, strangely enough, outside of the street, so. You are? That's part of the plan. Don't worry, Longshot. (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, So she pulls up, kind of whips around and uh, pulls out her little hand, her little little make-believe handgun which is cool you know i never really thought of this as a dazzler thing but i like her her fake handgun thing it's it's neat it becomes a thing i mean i guess it's a good way to symbol symbolize where she's aiming and and whatnot but so she's she's like oh they're moving around too fast i can't get a clear shot uh, you think do she I... goes pew pew <laughs> i hope so uh to have any effect on rogue i've got to punch out a photon blast at pretty near full power but if i hit storm by mistake i'll kill her I get anything on this stupid team be easy. And she goes pew, pew, pew and hits Rogue. And she hits Rogue. She misses Storm. Something explodes in the sky and uh, they were cut over to the Red Rocks people and they they see all the explosions nearby and they don't know what's going on. And they think it might be the fight from Denver coming nearby. One and Wolverine is on uh, at the well, inside in the crowd, I guess. One guy says, uh, why no sound? Which... I'm surprised we didn't get like a dialogue box of like, Dazzler lets go of a full-on photon blast, but as her power is to absorb sound, there is no noise. You'll notice that this issue is like largely free of like ex- 
expository like narration. It's yeah, kind of, I, I I kind of prefer it. It's kind of, no, it's refreshing. I I it it uh, makes you work a little bit harder to catch all the details, but I I like that than just having it all spoon fed to us. Which is, I think that is that is probably the key thing about X Men is because I'm so used to being spoon fed, I don't notice all the details. And when you're not spoon fed, like you say, you you start to you have to dig a little deeper, and it's it's a much more rewarding process. Well, I have to pay uh, attention because this this strikes me as like one of like like Chris Claremont's usually pretty dialogue heavy in the narration as well as the dialogue, but this issue seem I mean we had some earlier, but like there's been like not much. Well, there is a heck of a lot of dialogue. There's just not a lot of captions. Right. And, and I, again, I, yeah, I, I like that. So we'll have to see if, like, is this Claremont experimenting with this? Uh, is this going to be, like, how the X-Men are for a while going forward? Because uh, it sure makes for a nice read. He's definitely, I mean, it, it seems like there's, there are places where he's just like, you know what? I don't care if they've read the previous issue. They're just, <laughs> they're just going to have to figure it out. Yep. I'm the most. I'm writing the most popular comic book on the uh, on the stands today. They they read the last issue. I'm bigger than Superman and Batman combined. I'm bigger than Jesus. <laughs> oh yeah, no, too far, <laughs> too far, too far. Uh, so Reverend Coltrane Cochran, <laughs> what's his name? Reverend Colehammer. Colehammer. <laughs> Corchum. I can't remember. Re- Reverend Reverend Goldhammer sees uh, Wolverine, who is pretty wrecked. Uh, he, uh, I guess he's crawled down the mountain and he is now in the audience of the, uh, evangelism evangelist talk. Yeah. Sermon. And sermon. Thank you. And Wolverine, some, uh, uh, Reverend, Reverend Goldenhammer, uh, gets off of the stage and kind of kneels down before Wolverine. And he's like, I, he's, he's a mutant. Get away from him. And he says, I don't, I don't care. And Wolverine tries to back him away. He's like, nothing you can do inside me, growing, eating me alive. And Goldhammer thinks that it's drugs. But then Wolverine starts turning into an alien. He gets, he gets giant brood teeth and says, behold, human, the shape of your world to come. Such a shame you won't be alive to see it. His voice and manner is different as his body has changed. The demon, it's real, merciful lord, I beg you. Raise high your sword of righteousness and smite this abomination. I like all of this. There's one problem I have. Uh, so Wolverine in that panel where where Reverend uh, Goldhammer has him in his hands, like gets all brood mouthed. That's cool. I like that a lot. Uh, and then the next panel, I don't like where his arms turn into like little whippy things because where did where did his adamantium bones go? They're in the well, they're they're like gloves. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Like his forearm is still, or no, his his uh, elbow to shoulder is still still there. But it looks like his forearm has turned into these little whippy arms, and I don't know, I don't like it. I really wish they would have like done something to to like have him turn into a uh, brood, but still like have like the adamantium like form, if that makes any sense. Well, if if Wolverine ever was to fully turn into a brood, um, presumably he would he would still have his adamantium skeleton. Would it reshape itself to be a uh, brood structure? Do brood even have skeletons? Uh, I I don't know. I I would 
I, I don't know. I, yeah, that's a great question. Do they have an exoskeleton or do they have an endoskeleton? I don't know. Well, they're based, they're based on aliens, so I'm going to say that they have an exoskeleton. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, what, so what would probably happen is like all of, all of what you just said, but there'd just be like this, like adamant, like human shaped adamantium skeleton inside of the brood. Which is awesome. They should have done that. (laughs) That's what I'm saying, right? Like it would have been probably hard to draw, especially at this angle in this small of a box. But like if they could have worked it out, made the panel a little bit larger and just like done that, it would have been like, oh my God, that's, that's really crazy. And then he I'm going to pretend that these tendrils that are coming out of his arm, that those are all adamantium. See that? I don't know. I, I don't, I wouldn't, I mean, I guess in the Marvel universe, anything's possible, but I wouldn't imagine that the adamantium lacing would be malleable. I would imagine that it's, it's, it's a hard fixed reinforcement to his bones. So even if his bones are gone, it's just like this adamantium lacing that's still in there, but whatever. I don't know. It, dep- it depends on how the brood mutation works. Sure. Sure. I, I I tend to agree with where you're going, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He's So he's like almost full on brood and uh, the reverend thinks that he's smiting and, and giving salvation to this, this demon uh, and the brood's like, no, not now, not so close to victory. Hurl this creature back to the satanic abyss from whence it came. Wolverine thinks my healing factor finally doing its job, spelling the brood embryo from my body. Same as it would any infection. And the reverend's like, oh, come to me, my friend. You're safe now. The danger's passed. And that's... Not hardly Bible boy, says... I'm assuming this is whip, whiplash. Whip hands. Whip, whip face. <laughs> and, no, his name is Tension, I guess. And, uh, because Havoc finally shows up and shoots and disintegrates Tension. Didn't even hesitate this time. Is it true what they say, that once you start killing, each one becomes easier? I guess so. And that's when two brood are crawling up behind Havoc and says, he doesn't see us. He's too wrapped up in himself. It's a, it's Spitball and, I don't know, Teleport Guy? Um, yeah, probably Teleport Guy, Blindside. Or is it Harry? Harry? No, Harry Leland's got hair. Harry Palmer. Oh, <laughs> Harry Palmer's got hair. Harry Leland, that's a totally different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Harry Leland has hair too, but it's white. Longshot swings in Indiana Jones style to save the day and rescues Havoc from Spitball's fire blast. Lucky for you, I was paying attention. Ha! Harry Palmer shows up with Mrs. Golden Hammer, Reverend Wife, and says, You call us demons, Rev? That's as good a name as any, but if any of you move, I'm going to kill this woman. Uh, Wolverine, though, is on the ground. Everybody's forgotten him, and he sneaks under the stage, jumps up through the stage, grabs Harry Leland, I'm sorry, Harry Palmer, pulls him through and says, Wittily, only two things are certain in life, and this ain't taxes. Like Ben Franklin said, you can't you can't oh, do the line without that's like the most important part of the line. Well, everybody knows that part. Like uh, ben Franklin said, "Bub." And uh, this ain't taxes. He puts his his uh, fist against his chin. He turns into human Harry Palmer and says, well, "Who are you? What have I done? Don't He's kill reverted. me." He's reverted to his human persona, the facade. He doesn't remember who he really is. You don't understand, Bub. Harry Palmer died a long time ago. Now at last he'll have his chance to rest in peace. Or snicked. Or rest in pieces. Snicket. 
All right. It's, uh, yep. The danger's over. Reverend's like, oh my God. Because he's reconnected with his wife. Your hands, they're fine. You can move again. And I totally healed you too. <laughs> There's no more pain, William. I think, I hope, I pray so. Uh, and maybe this starts a storyline that I'm not familiar with, but he says, could it be? First the stranger, now Hannah. Has the Lord granted me some sort of healing power? Forgive me, Lord, forever doubting you. I'll never lose my faith again. Uh, Trish Tilby, she's flown in from New York to Colorado to get a statement, which... And, you know, you, you would think in this mutant-filled world, he'd be, he'd also think, or am I just a mutant? Right, right. I have healing powers. I just dealt with a bunch of mutants. Maybe I'm a mutant. But uh, he doesn't. He doesn't think that. But he does give a very pro mutant speech to Trish Telby. I don't know how Trish Telby got out here. Isn't she a New York journalist? That's what I said, man. She flew out from New York to Colorado to get the statement. She's <laughs> she's she's at national. She she's like um, uh, Dan Rather, but the field Dan Rather. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, uh, so yeah, so he, he gives the, the statement, Abraham Lincoln told us a house divided against itself cannot stand. Does that apply to our United States? Shouldn't it also apply to the whole human race? Mutants are our children. They may will well represent the future of our species and whatever happens, we must bear responsibility. I for one would prefer and will work with all my heart and soul for that future to turn out for the best. And in the foreground of this panel, we get... Nurse Brood, uh, who we saw earlier, who if you didn't read the last issue, you, you you probably don't even realize she's in the panel. But the implication here is that um, Reverend Conover's wife has now been impregnated with a brood. Yes. I, and honestly, I don't know if or how this storyline plays out. I don't either. <laughs> um, it could quite possibly be that it we never touch back to this. It could. But, I don't remember. But the internet will tell us. Um, there is apparently a X-Men versus the Brood miniseries. Okay. Where uh, this story is picked up. Okay. I've never read that. So when we get there, um, we'll it was, read it. It was published in 1996. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so some editor or some writer was like, hey, you know what we never did? Yeah. We, yeah. Sh we should do a quick miniseries to, to wrap that up. This is one of those dropped threads. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Trish Tilby, she goes on the TV and uh, she she does a little thing. She editorializes a little bit saying, if this reporter may be permitted a personal observation, I fervently hope so, that mutants and humans will be living together while major religious and political figures, uh, I don't know, gain support Eat cheese together. So. Oh. Yes, Whatever. that too. Which is like, look, if you're on national television doing a field piece, that you don't get the opportunity to be like, on a personal note. Yeah, but like you said, my this, opinion. Is, this is Trish Tilby. Oh, sorry. You mean, she, she's America's sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, she is like a household name. They're like, whoa, did you hear what Trish Tilby said? Mutants are all right. She's the Marvel Comics Connie Chung. Sure. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if if she was a doesn't matter anyways just, uh just marvel universe william cronkite uh sure or somebody <laughs> walter cronkite or oh or, yeah or his brother too. william Con cronkite 
Carbonite. Okay. Anyways, Dan, home again. Dan home rather, again. You said Dan rather before. Yeah, that probably works. The best. Or uh, 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 his name was on the t- Ted Ted Koppel. There we go. Oh. Okay. Yeah, but these are all dudes. I'm trying to find like like uh, national televised news women. Well, yeah, but I mean, she she breaks the barrier of sex. Like that's how big she is. Oh, she transcends sex. She yes. is the news. Yes. Gotcha. So, yeah, they return home. Uh, they have a little thing where Wolverine's like, hey, good job, Havoc. You did what you need to do. And Havoc's like, buddy, I just feel sick. Yeah, this part could have been left out. Well, it, or it could have been expanded a little bit. It's all done on uh, the computer monitors under the town uh, with with the kind of the narration saying, everybody's blissfully doing their thing, but not aware of the horror that's going on in the basement. And we see... Uh, uh, Madeline Pryor still laying on the ground. There's still a bunch of blood uh, underneath her. So maybe she's dead. Well, I thought she was dead because she looks dead. But <laughs> she does look dead. I mean, it looks like there's did... even a shot between her boobs. Like there's blood the... there. Oh, that's weird. It is weird. The, uh, the caption says, Madeline Pryor lies more than alive, less than dead, transfigured by a dream that's fast on the way to becoming a reality. So... We know what that means, but reader of just reading this for the first time is like, uh, I, I, I like reading through this. I was like, wow, she seems dead. I can't wait till the next issue where they clearly are going to pick up this thread. Nope. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah, I guess I don't. Spoilers. Next issue. She's fine. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I, I don't even think they mentioned this. So. I mean, fill in the blanks. I'm assuming that the X-Men eventually get downstairs, maybe a couple hours later. After they made dinner, they're hanging out. They did the dishes together. Somebody's like, hey, where's Madeline? And then they started looking around for him. Wolverine's like, oh, she's in the basement. I smelled her hours ago. <laughs> well, wouldn't the <laughs> part of the transfiguration be to to try to give the X-Men, like, no, no uh, indication that something happened? Well, yeah, I mean, some, Wolverine would smell the blood. Oh, that's true. She's friggin' bleeding. So, I mean, yeah, you could be right. Maybe the transfiguration cleans up this mess before the X-Men discovers it. Yeah. Put a, put, what do you always say? Put a tack in it? Put a pin put in a, it. Tack. Put a pin in it? Put, tack works too, but, you know. Maybe, maybe this will come up again. Uh, it definitely doesn't come up in the next issue. No. Uh, all right. There you go. Uh, yeah. There you go. Let us know what you think of the Brood saga, the first real saga after the death of the X-Men. Visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. At Danger Room Go is where you can follow us on Twitter. You can email us, dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. We're available on iTunes uh, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can call us at 501-GET-X-MEN. Uh, that's 501-438-9636. Leave us a little voicemail. Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfield, uh, Hollyfeld, rather. And you can, uh, well, you can give us money at patreon.com <laughs> forward slash danger room. Or, or just visit us to see see some of the awesome rewards we have for Patreoning us. I think you can sign up and join our Patreon for free, um, which is less preferred. Because <laughs> we want your money. Well, yeah. But, you know, let's start a community on Patreon. It could be fun. We Yeah, totally. Uh, and so with that, there's a few other items of business to take care of. Yeah, New Mutants number 68. Um, nothing really happens in this issue. 
at last issue, we determined that the New Mutants were going to get off of Earth and go after Spider and Lila Shanae. <laughs> and, um, and they do that, but nothing much else really happens. They're hanging out with this Gossamer girl who is an associate of Spider. I guess Spider is her slave master, I guess. And um, she has... Let's see, what does he say? He, she has the ability to affect others' emotions, and she does this. Basically, the whole issue is her affecting all of their emotions. She gets um, – she makes Danny really upset about her role as a leader. She gets Sunspot to be in love with her. She gets Rain to be think that uh, Sam is in love with her. Overall, they don't really do much, though. They get in a spaceship, and they're at the end of the issue. They are. Uh, it looks like they're about to be blown out of space by somebody who I, I don't even know who these people are. They get caught by aliens, I guess, and they're going to shoot them. Admiral Dupenth. Uh, yeah, yeah, some good good Brett Blevins artwork, but I didn't really read. Oh, yeah, the the art the art is great in this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an issue where it really doesn't move the story forward. It's it's a lot of just kind of stuff that we already know as far as manipulating everybody's emotions. Nothing nothing major happens. Uh, about Marvel Comics presents number seven. That one, um, features Wolverine. It does. <laughs> and also Jess Ann Hone, which we just can't get enough of. Uh, he, Wolverine, we, so in the last issue, the boat blew up. Uh, we get a little flashback of how Wolverine, with his quick reflexes, got them off the boat. And uh, I don't know. He's like blowing air into her lungs underwater. And they, I don't know, they escape. They do that. And um, Roche is apparently searching them out. And also terrorizing the town, there is a um, what do you call this? Like a, a boudoir, a pleasure house, a brothel. There's a brothel, a whore uh, house that the uh, the Roche's goons are threatening all the ladies of the night of because the, the they, prostitutes <laughs> because they side with uh, the tiger and and. Roche is finally gunning after the tiger and all these goons are stopped by Wolverine and Jess Ann Hoan who murders somebody in cold blood that Wolverine just let go because that's her deal. She's a killer. And um, it ends with the guy who was in the bar at the very beginning of this series, whose name is O'Donnell, um, is captured by Roche and Roche is going to torture him because he thinks that he is the, the actual tiger tiger. All of these characters are in the Wolverine series that is coming soon. Really? Jess Ann Hoan and O'Donnell. And I think even Sapphire Sphinx is in it, but I'm not 100% on that one. Razor Fist? No. Oh, no more Roche. Razor Fist? Roche, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, so I won't. So does this Marvel Comics Presents, does this just dovetail right into Wolverine number one? Uh... Yes, ish in the in the idea that it takes place in Madripoor and it is the same creative team. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, it's a different story that this story sets up. Got it. 
All right. Well, then there's a uh, Cloak and Dagger number. Uh, actually, Strange Tales number eighteen featuring Cloak and Dagger and X Factor. And this one was pretty short, and it didn't really have a lot to do with X Factor. Basically, uh, Dagger is battling some lady who I don't really know who it is. I thought it um, was Hella, but it's not Hella. I'm not sure who her, it is. Her name is Knight. Okay. And she works for somebody named Mr. Jip. So whatever. <laughs> uh, she's battling her and this, this woman gets the advantage of her and pulls all of, all of the darkness out of her, which makes her stronger. Then she realizes that uh, without the darkness, Dagger is stronger. So she puts the darkness inside of her and now she is the victor over Dagger. And then Cloak is also captured by some little boy who is trying to think of what to do with his newly captured demon. I kind of liked this aspect of it. Cloak can't do anything. It's kind of like you've seen the Evil Dead, right? Yeah, yeah, a few times. So you, you read, uh, you know Ash versus Evil Dead? Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of it. Where you, you bring demons back to, to life and you have like little circles where the demons can't leave out of? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh... Sigils, 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 that or whatever. Okay. I can't, uh, <laughs> I can't remember, but yes. So the, the, this little boy has done that and he, 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 uh, the demon, instead of a demon that appeared, he conjured Cloak and now Cloak is his prisoner while he tries to figure out what to do with him. It's, it's interesting. Um, then we cut over to what X Factor is doing and this, this beast is dumb at this point. So this takes place before the last few issues. Does it? I was really confused about this because... X-Factor's ship in X-Factor is flying over, like, the ocean. But here it's flying over the city. And then the other anomaly is that uh, Iceman answers the phone, X-Men headquarters, this is the Mutant Height Line. Mutants are us, what's your beef, lady? First of all, Iceman, that's not how he would talk. But second of all, like, it's not really been established what X-Factor is doing in X-Factor. Because, I mean, they've been dealing with Infectia, but they haven't, like, been, like, a mutant hunting organization for a little while. But this night person is like, oh, my gosh, there's an evil mutant. You should come get him. And also, in the current issue of X-Factor, Beast is laid up. Uh, he was kissed by Infectia. We saw him go from, well, spoilers, like, he's normal Beast here. Okay, so this takes place before all that. So Beast is uh, Beast is dumb. Uh, Okay. So he's like, hi, Eugene. How come all these people are sleeping in the daytime? Because they're all unconscious. It's because Beast is 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 dumb. Uh, Cyclops, is. it's alluded that Cyclops left to go find his child. No, and no. Jean, Dre, Jean Grey just has not joined her yet, uh, joined him yet. Oh. She says, and she says, Scott's gone on ahead. I'll have to leave a note to tell him where I've gone. Okay. And so Jean, Iceman, and Beast are transported by ship to where... Dagger now is, and now she's like a a dark dagger. But but Jean says such devastation. I wonder if I made the correct decision in not asking Cyclops and the Angel to accompany us here. There are a few continuity <laughs> snafus. There's like such as such as the ship being over the town. It's not entirely and and Iceman answering the phone. Uh, you just gotta you know this is this is this is a comic that. Who knows when it was written? It came out. It, it came out in the period that we're in now, so it came out this. What would be this month? It clearly takes place a few issues back in X Factor. They're probably not coordinating very well. Well, but but it's got, it's got like a general idea. But 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 Iceman's wearing his belt. Beast is human and dumb. All that 
works out. Uh, so you, so you're, they you're, got some things right. They just don't have other things right. This is after Apocalypse right. attacks the city, and they're in the ship. But there's not a point in X Factor where Beast is human Beast and Angel is with them. Well, I think I, I think uh, Archangel is what. They should have written. Doesn't matter. Right now, Archangel or Angel has no affiliation with X-Factor. He's out looking for candy. He's not hanging out with X-Factor. Yeah, that is true. So there's no... Uh, so Gene would not... At this maybe maybe, maybe a more appropriate thing was, I wonder if I'm still able to contact Angel <laughs> to see if he would accompany us as well. Would you? We haven't really been able to talk to him all that well. <laughs> would you stop defending uh, Terry Austin, I think is the writer? I didn't, uh, I yes. didn't say... I, I said this has some continuity snafus. Yeah. It's like just, as many comics do. It's, it's, it's flat not, out wrong. <laughs> This is not an unusual thing. All right. This is one of those things where you have to kind of see where it fits as closely as possible, even though in realistic continuity, it does not fit at all. Okay. Uh, I like this night girl's costume. It's like fishnets that cover everything that would make it pornographic. (laughs) It's kind of, yeah, it's weird. Everything is exposed except for the parts that you can't expose and her head. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. So X Factor. This is they show up. Sergeant Miller shows up and gets killed. And I don't think he's killed. I think he's just uh, hurt. Okay. And uh, yeah, they spring into action and dark, dark, uh, uh, dark dagger. Dark who dagger. She says, At last, some worthy foes on which to wet my dark malice. So if you know what dagger looks like, she has like a white outfit. Well, now she has a black outfit because she's dark dagger. And in four weeks, um, or six weeks, we get Cloak and Dagger number one featuring X-Factor. You'll hear it here. Hopefully they fix their continuity issues. We'll find out. Um, Cloak and Dagger? Yeah, I guess they didn't They didn't have a series at that. But I think they were featured a lot in maybe uh, Doctor Strange? And maybe more strange tales. I, I have no idea. I, I I feel like maybe they have had a limited series, but I don't know. Because I feel like I in the mid to late eighties, uh, but before this month in comics, had bought a cloak and dagger comic, and I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. But then just never carried on with it. They first appear in Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. And then they get their own series, Cloak and Dagger, which was a six, looks like six issue limited series or maybe four issues. Okay. And then they appear in Peter Parker some more and then they appear in New Mutants and that's, we've covered most things from there. Okay. Oh, they have another limited series. So this will be their third limited series that we'll be touching upon. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. The last one ran... It looks like 11 issues and then got converted over to Strange Tales where they were splitting with Doctor Strange, who I thought had a comic book at this point, but apparently does not. Really? Yeah. Huh. I, I got to Google something now. <laughs> I feel and like this it... new series will be called The Mutant Misadventures of Cloak and Dagger. Is this uh, is Terry Austin the Terry Austin that normally inks Art Adams or... Is it John or is that Chuck Austin? Or what? is that is that John Byrne? There's an Austin who's always inking art people. And T- I'm trying T- Terry Austin? Is it Terry Austin? I thought or he is it 
Yeah, maybe it is. Well, this this apparently this person, if it's the same person, is no longer inking, but is now yeah prim- writing primarily as an inker. He's best known for his work embellishing John Byrne's pencils on Uncanny X Men. From 1977 to 1981. Now he's writing Cloak and Dagger and screwing up X Factor continuity. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he he also worked as a writer, primarily for Marvel's X Men title, and a run on Cloak and Dagger. I don't. Okay. When did Terry Austin write the X Men? That must have been like, like way later. I guess we'll find out. And I bet you it's a bad run. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Terry Austin. I don't know if you're a good writer or a bad writer, but... Well, we'll find out next time we tune in to Cloak and Dagger. I do know that the X-Men goes off the rails once uh, Chris Claremont leaves and Jim Lee leaves and everybody am, else leaves. I, I'm reading about that in the Marvel history right now, and it's lots of stuff I didn't know. Yeah. All right. Well, then, this has gone on long enough. Adam, you got anything else you need to add to this one? Um, No, I think we kind of went off the the beaten path at the beginning of the episode. So let's, let's, let's close this one up. Yeah. You don't want to talk about the Bumblebee movie. I haven't seen it. You, oh. I know you said that it was decent. Oh man. It's awesome. It's the best Transformers movie yet. Uh, I mean, <laughs> animated movie aside, of course. Of, yeah, of course. <laughs> but it's, 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 uh, if you paid money to see any of the other Transformers m- movies and you haven't paid money for this Transformers movie, <laughs> then you haven't paid money for a good one yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, kind of what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know what previews you've seen, but like there's a real sound wave with a real ravage. And I'm not talking about like, like, way too complicated of transformations like it looks like they took the toy and rendered it wow and put it on cybertron and for Mm -hmm. that alone it's it's worth it and that's not all there's other g1s you're like oh my god it's him and they just like drop in like fan service all the place they don't even like name the character but it's like he shows up and you're like i remember him all right that's that sounds intriguing i'm intrigued now it's it's great and there's like I don't, uh, other than like a Cybertron battle, and again, this is no spoilers, other than a Cybertron battle, I don't think there's ever a point where there's more than three Transformers on the screen at the same time. And you can keep track of who is who. So basically, this is like a competent, nostalgia-based movie. Frankly? Which is, what, which is really what all of the Transformers movies should have been. Exactly. Frankly, uh, I would be beside myself with happiness if this was like the reboot that they didn't intend to do and they just scrapped all the other stuff, <laughs> took all of the CG animations that they now own, the assets that they've created and just made G1 Transformers movies from here on out with those models. It would be amazing, but <laughs> we'll see what happens. Apparently it's doing really well. So there's a possibility of it happening. So again, uh, if you haven't seen Bumblebee because you're stung by the Michael Bay stuff, like this wasn't, directed by michael bay it's like some other dude whose name i don't remember but it's <laughs> okay it's good it's it's like it's really good well yeah it's really good i liked it a lot one thumbs up from jeremy and one thumbs haven't seen it from adam dude i have two thumbs yeah i know but i'm only counting one of them oh, okay all right then folks uh, until next time my name is jeremy my name's adam and the danger room is closed <laughs>